Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Becoming the 1% Podcast. Today, my guest is Rudy Cadlib. He is the CEO and co-owner of Kabuki Strength. This is a very incredible podcast. We talk about aging populations. We talk about the specialty bars and all of the incredible contributions that Kabuki Strength has made to the exercise equipment. This is probably one of the most interesting guests in the world of fitness that we have ever had on. Please enjoy. Rudy, thank you so much for coming on, brother. It's a pleasure. Really appreciate thank, it. Thank you. Thanks for inviting us, Brandon. Yeah. What was the, the nature of your trip to Arizona? Uh, well, we're, uh, it's, as you know, uh, living here in, in the Phoenix area, it's uh, it's the spring training time of year for Major League Baseball, at least oh, for yeah. 15 of the teams. Uh, the other 15 train in, uh, in Florida. So uh, we're down here uh, trying to uh, meet with many of our customers. Um, we actually now provide equipment in all 30 major league teams. Wow. So uh, in the That's last incredible. few days, we've had a whirlwind uh, tour with uh, uh, the Reds and the Guardians. They used to be the Indians, the Guardians. Uh, <laughs> oh, they, yeah. Uh, oh, that's right. <laughs> and then yesterday was the Dodgers, the Mariners, the Padres, the Brewers. Uh, this morning, the White Sox. And the, And are you the, meeting the with the strength coaches? Yeah, the, exactly. The organizations? Strength, strength coaches okay. and, their, and their staff. Yep. Wow. That's very a, cool. I'm sure that's quite a group of people that's an incredible group of minds from all those yeah right it really is yeah no we've had a great relationship with major league baseball for since the very start i mean our, our first uh team was the dodgers of course of uh -huh. as, as being a big fan uh brandon mcdaniel who is their uh director of of uh development and strength there yeah. now uh formerly head strength coach but now he's got a big fancy title as director yeah uh but he also is the uh, chief executive of the professional baseball strength and conditioning coaches society oh and so we're we're working kabuki's working with them we're trying to develop some some content with them that they can use that will help educate uh younger baseball coaches and strength coaches mm -hmm. uh targeted more for really uh, younger little league junior high high yeah school. i was gonna say outside yeah. of the pros younger yeah, outside of the pros yeah, yeah. okay exactly. outstanding so kabuki strength we were actually trying to brainstorm and figure this out i was tr sort of racking my brain how long has the company been in existence well uh yeah that's a good question not uh, not as long as a lot of people think just because we have such a, a broad reach now but yeah. uh it and was, reputation it, it was in uh it was in 2010 that uh, Chris and I decided to open up a hobby gym. We used to train in his garage together, and <laughs> uh, we never thought about uh, making anything. We we were just uh, we were just passionate about uh, uh, lifting and powerlifting at the time, and uh, wanted to create a, a culture uh, and an environment where we'd have similar-minded people around. And so we opened up this uh, little hole-in-the-wall uh, gym, and uh, back then it was called Elite Performance Center. Mm -hmm. And uh, mm -hmm. and I don't know why we called it Elite. It's just that we we came up with that name in the in the backyard one day and yeah. said, okay, that sounds cool. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, uh, There's nothing it, above that. No. <laughs> and so a number of years later, well, we we ended up making uh, some equipment, or, or we would try to find equipment for gyms that were going out of business. So we would we would uh, uh, buy equipment for you know pennies on the dollar to, mm -hmm. to outfit our our little uh, hobby gym. And a couple of things, uh, Chris is an engineer and, and uh, he was, he's always got this inventive mind going on and we were working on, he was working on some things uh, to improve shoulder mobility and strength yeah. and uh, kind of came up with a couple of things. And we thought, you know, you know, some of these things that we're doing, if we ever put them on the market, people might benefit. Might from buy them. them, yeah. But we, you know, it was just more of a, okay, that's, that's a good thought, but he's busy with his full-time career and I've got my full-time career. At, and at the time your full-time career was what? I'm a real estate development. I've been a real no estate kidding. developer. Oh, wow. I've, uh, developed too a, weird. I did real estate for a bit and then yeah, did this as well. Yeah. It's like no, crazy. I've developed the two largest master plan communities in Oregon. Oh, wow. Uh, oh. Over the last 20, 25 years. Good. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so we're, we're, we're quite busy. Um, and then we we outgrew this little hole in the wall because we had uh, you know 150 people coming and training with us, and uh -huh. so I, I ended up uh, uh, finding a, an industrial space, and we leased that space, and it was a big step up for us because it doubled our rent or more. Yeah. And we thought, oh gosh, well, I hope these guys are, that are training with us now, you know, will continue. With don't this don't leave. <laughs> we didn't have any employees. It was just a, a space, right? And yeah. uh, 24 hour access. And, and uh, so we, we were there, we were there about a year. 
and uh, we in the in the spring of 2015 uh, we found a, a way to take this shoulder uh, tool that we had come up with or Chris had come up with and to kind of mass produce it yeah and we was said, it the shoulder rock yeah, the, yeah, that's what yeah, he had, yeah, that's what we ended up calling calling it, it later shoulder, on shoulder rock well it was when we when we introduced it it became the shoulder rock it was yeah. it was just this shoulder tool when we started just for the mobility and you see then, people doing the yeah. 360s mm -hmm. and, and exactly. this was this did this predate because i've seen a lot of the guys over it on it doing that kind of stuff with their mace work and all that sort of thing that they really leaned on it was doing it but they they had a fixed weight on it mm -hmm. and and uh and this and the length of their lever was a little bit shorter than what we found to be ideal yeah so uh we found a way to create the shoulder rock which is an adjustable loadable uh product so that the, that can be changed it can be the i think the tool itself is like eight and a half pounds yes but you can add standard plates to it so you can add two and a half plates yeah, it's got five, a, tens, a, adjustable head to where you yeah, can take it off and industrial nut that you screwed it down tight and, yes. and all and right uh, there, so in february of uh, of 2015 uh we created a little quick website and threw it up there and all of a sudden it that thing just took off and that along with a whiskey and deadlift t-shirt <laughs> along with a, with a, a story <laughs> by chris it was a little tongue-in-cheek story that uh that sold that and all of a sudden uh we were in we were in business and mm -hmm. that business we called elite strength equipment got and, it uh, okay so keeping keeping elite yeah that was in february and as we continue to grow, uh, you know, the, we two months or three months after that, we were, had enough revenue being generated that Chris could actually quit his day job. I said, I'll underwrite it. And, and what was he was an engineer at the time? Engineer, yeah. Okay. What kind of a plant engineer? manager? Okay. Yeah. And uh, working for some large companies, Warren Industries that you you might know. And so, yeah. Uh, I have a brother who works were, for Sunt. That Sunt had uh, contracts with Boeing and others. That uh, so at any rate, uh, he he became our first employee in like May of 2015. Mm -hmm. So that was the the start of the company. Again, still called Elite Strength Equipment. And we ended up uh, uh, eventually bringing on a uh, uh, an advertising agency and yeah. we started talking about it. And uh, we the, the name, we, we were doing business with then with Elite, um, um, in in Ohio, mm -hmm. uh, that had their you know same yeah. I was gonna say lead, what did a lead what did Dave Tate and uh, his crew think yeah about lead FTS thing? well they, they probably bolstered their sales because we were actually uh, selling some of their products on our our site as we started to grow our site, but it got confusing and then yeah uh, people one, would think you were an offshoot or something yeah like and then that, one yeah. day we got a pizza delivered to us that was intended for the elite cheerleading squad or, <laughs> and we said you know being elite may you know calling ourselves elite doesn't make us elite and you know it's confusing. Yeah. And that's when we started uh, brainstorming about names mm -hmm. and uh, uh, the Kabuki thing came up. Uh, uh, Kabuki was Chris's nickname in college for a short time. And I was going to ask if it came derived from your last name. Well, or... I, I, that's, that's what why I endorsed it. I said, oh, it becomes, it starts with K-A, so I'm okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> so how do you say your last name again? It's Cadlub. Cadlub, uh, yeah. K-A-D-L-U-B, so Kabuki is K-A-B. So same number of letters, and I'm saying, that's good. So yeah. That's, and it was unique, you know, uh, so it became Kabuki Strength at that point. Nickname, and... what does that word mean? I honestly don't know. Well, uh, uh, kabuki is is the art of uh, Japanese drama. It's where you actually, where they wear masks to uh, emulate the character that they're portraying. Mm. And so our deal was uh, everyone has a squat face. You know, everyone is has a unique <laughs> squat face, particularly on, your logo, on, a, by the way. on a one rep max. Yeah. And so that squat face uh, became our kabuki mask. <laughs> and, and, I love uh, that. We had a... We had a tattoo, uh, a guy who we were subletting some space to, mm -hmm. and uh, he came up with that with that drawing, and yeah. uh, it became uh, the the key note or key part of our our logo. Yeah, yeah awesome. absolutely, so, yeah. it's brilliant marketing, and like you said, it's such a unique word. It's such a unique name that no one would ever confuse you with anybody else. Right. So yeah. So it's it and it it works into some of the other Japanese philosophies about perpetual improvement and, and, and the like, mm. and like Kaizen yes. and such. So we were, uh, we were happy with it. Uh, we don't think about the origin of it anymore because it's, <laughs> it's just, that's just who we are. And that was how long ago? How long has the company so, been? So that was in, uh, 
in February of 2015. So right now we're just about eight years. Wow. Yeah. See, and that's what I that's was saying. Crazy. That's new. I, I was saying, cause I didn't think it was as old as, as a lot of people think it is. A lot of people think you guys like predate rogue and stuff. I'm like, yeah, no. no, what was the very first with well, the shoulder rock was then the very first product to ever come to market officially. Exactly. Got mm -hmm. it. And from then, when did you see the transition in the, because there was this massive need in the market for specialty bars that you guys just fill like no one else. When was that decision made? About six months later, uh, came up with the Duffalo bar. Yeah. And so think about the Duffalo bar. So Duffin, Duffin. Duffalo. So yeah. it was, a you know, there, there were curve bars in the past, but they, they weren't designed with intent. Mm. And so, uh, Chris was started working with it and actually came up with a, a sort of a proprietary slope to the, the bar that it sits, it's flat in the middle. So it sits nicely between yeah. the, uh, uh, shoulder blades mm -hmm. And uh, and then slopes down enough to be able to to uh, uh, more comfortably get your arms on the bar and take pressure off off the shoulder joint. Right, right, right. When you squat, and then it slopes up a little bit so the the uh, the plates don't slide off the edge. Yeah. And it's a it's a squat bar weight. It's twenty five kilos. Mm -hmm. And that's uh, what I love about your bars is they're all calibrated. They're exactly how heavy they're supposed to be for the exercise you're doing. Exactly. Well, we'll get to the Cadillac bar. It's just a pressing bar Ooh, and it's my favorite. It's, it's 20 kilos, you know, so just like a, a, yep. a power bar would be. Yeah. Uh, so that was in August of 2015. Mm -hmm. And at that point, uh, I ended up having to spend uh, quite a bit more of my time uh, as well with the, the company. And uh, we were start making sales. And I think we, uh, in that first partial year, we had sales just under half a million dollars. In and, the first year to market? Yeah. Wow, that's and a then, good first uh, year. And then uh, subsequent to that, uh, um, we, uh, I, I have a hard time remembering the order of development, uh, but quickly uh, we came with the uh, the HD trap bar, yep. uh, the transformer bar, and the mm -hmm. Cadillac bar. Yeah. all of which biomechanically uh, exceed anything else in the yeah. market. And, you know, it's we've gotten great penetration because of our relationship with uh, the the Major League Baseball strength coaches and mm -hmm. then the NFL and such. And we they they understand it. They get it so quickly. So yeah. when we walk into a room with our products uh, with a professional strength coach, it takes five minutes. They totally get it. They see the biomechanical advantages, the reduction of risk uh, uh, potential in, with the bars with their athletes. So uh, it's just sign me up. And the quality, the the design that you guys have gone for, and I really appreciate this because this is sort of where I push in the niche that we're in. I want to have the absolute best of anything in any, any category I can ever get with. It's why I haven't ever been married to any one particular fitness equipment manufacturer for all lines of a machinery. I like to pick and choose. And if I am say if I'm creating something for a client and I want to make a gym, I will immediately in my head, I'm like, okay, well, if we're going specialty, we're going Kabuki from I'm going to make a rack. I'm probably going to do rogue. I'm probably, there are certain things that in certain demographics are the absolute best. When was, because I understand Chris was an engineer, wh where was your fabrication design originating? I mean, when did you decide, okay, we need to make sure that we're the absolute, we can't be tight and fit. We need to be the absolute best. We need to have, like, who decided that? Well, we, we were using vendors, uh, local vendors, uh, to, to create the Duffalo bar for us. And then, and and likewise with the uh, the power bar and the squat bar that we came out with, I guess that was the next order before the balance of the specialty bars. Mm -hmm. uh, but we had, uh, we, we didn't have any machines until we, we uh, purchased a press uh, that was actually on the USS Missouri. <laughs> World love War that. II. Yeah. Wow. Really? And, yeah. And uh, we, still, we still have that. We got it from Warren Industries and they'd had it for years. Uh, and then we, we got a mill and a, a CNC machine and we started making our own bars and doing our own knurling yeah. uh, in, in a small space uh, from next to the, the gym that we had moved into in 2014. We uh, rented some additional space, another 5,000 feet and put that in there and started making uh, some of our equipment uh, there ourselves, although yeah. some of it were still made by experts in the region that had um, you know all the machinery. And over the years, particularly during COVID, uh, when COVID hit and our demand uh, increased dramatically, uh, we then expanded our uh, manufacturing space 
it, and, it increased and, dramatically during COVID. Yeah, absolutely, was this yeah. because of the expansion of the home gym community? Yeah, Is that what you think? Yeah. Oh, that, absolutely. On that, on that topic, what have you seen? What have you seen since 2020? I mean, the home gym thing, it, it feels like to us that it, it didn't seem like it was so prevalent maybe eight years ago. Now it seems like everyone is doing this. Everyone's doing a home gym. And I, I have to commend you on yours here. This Thank is, you. <laughs> this, is, this is better than anything I've ever seen. It's incredible. <laughs> I'm blown away by it. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was interesting because during COVID, URSA, uh, which is the uh, Institute of, uh, I mean, what is it called? The International Handball and Racket Club Association. But they, they're the main uh, um federation or association for uh gym commercial gym owners mm. uh their their statement was that uh most people wouldn't go back to commercial gyms mm -hmm. and uh that that only 51 percent would go back but they yeah. they missed that i mean people are now e even the people that have invested heavily into home gyms mm -hmm. uh i think there was something about missing the the social interaction that you get from the gym yep. and having training partners that are there that you can work with. And uh, we're, we've seen a, a, a big migration of people as the commercial gyms back to commercial gyms again. A big migration back to commercial, commercial gyms, gyms, away yeah. from home gyms. That's yeah. really important for people to note. I, and I try my very best to explain that to people who come to us. And oftentimes we get people, hey, could you make us a gym? Could you make us a home gym? And of course the answer is yes, but I always preface that with, you need to have an understanding on what exactly it is you want to use this for. If you are literally trying to replace LA Fitness with your garage, A, you need to have an understanding on the investment that that's going to entail. And B, are you somebody who is trying to disconnect from your entire social stratosphere in the gym? Because that's kind of what you're signing up for here. If you're, you know, if you're married with kids, you just want to work out, that's great. But a lot of these young people, especially, they don't quite re recognize that that's going to happen if you just go under one roof. And it doesn't usually get to this sort of an extent where people come here. It's just going to be you. Yeah. Anecdotally, I mean, I have access to all of our equipment, of course, and, and I could have a killer uh home gym oh yeah but you all, don't i don't you're I, kidding me all, all, <laughs> how's that possible I, no i have a i have a combo rack and the only bars i have are a duffalo bar which i can squat and press with yeah and i have a a, a deadlift bar wow and that's it but 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 that's because where do you train night i i train at the lab at the, the lab the, yeah yeah yeah. boogie strength lab yeah right so i guess that. i've got a training partner there we're there you know we've got our coaches are there they get mm -hmm. eyes on me and and so yeah yeah so uh it it's it's nice in an emergency if i have to get something in yeah. uh, to walk out in the garage to do it but uh, i mean and of course i'm at the lab every day yeah our yeah, yeah, there, yeah so it is very convenient but uh yeah i i i enjoy the the association with our our team members and yeah. it's just it's that culture that it's hard to replicate at home. Yeah. It's hard to push yourself sometimes at home. Too. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. And speaking of, speaking of your team, I, I love how you, with your origin story, you guys started small. It was kind of out of an organic need. What does your team look like today? You started with just a couple guys in the beginning. What does the Kabuki team look like now? Well, at the height of COVID, uh, we had to ramp up our manufacturing quite a bit. Uh, so we, I think we had 48 employees. Wow. Uh, now we're down, we've, we've pared down a little bit. We're closer to 30 or so. Uh, a lot of those are in our, our strength and education side of things. Yes. And in our, in our marketing side of deals. Our, uh, our um, manufacturing, we've got it so tight now that uh, we can run manufacturing and shipping with less than 10 people so and all because you guys have everything in house it's all american made everything is yes Every, everything's yeah. american made yep kudos absolutely commend yeah. that that's Love awesome that. that's very hard that's very hard to see it's very rare it is and, and and people complain about the pricing well the pricing is a function of a being american made but also the quality it's, it's mm -hmm. better than anything else you can get yeah it is so. Uh, Jake mentioned the education, and that's a big thing I wanted to ask you about. Where in the company's history was that shift determined to where you're no longer just manufacturing what is now the best equipment that anyone can get? You are making sure that that equipment is used safely, and you guys have pushed exponentially now into education, like to pass the degree of even Elite FTS and some of the big, big, big heavy hitters. You guys have seen the need for this. When did that happen? Well, it, it, it's always evolved, and, and uh, we were coaching each other to start with, 
uh, Chris started doing a, a, a fair amount of stuff on, on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then we, we hired uh, coaches yeah. And the coaches started uh, creating content to educate people. And, and our, How many coaches do you have right now? You have Brandon. Uh, we have Brandon Morgan's our heads of education. Kyle Young yeah. is our head coach. Yes, that's the other coach. And then uh, we have Joe Stella. We have Alex Miller. We have uh, Cassandra. Uh, we've got Darrington Wright and uh, uh, missing one other is Connor. Uh, so yeah, we've got a, we've got oh, seven wow. or eight. Yeah. Yep, coaches yep, yep. there. Absolutely. Now that's, uh, yeah. What you're seeing there. I think that's the KEW group, uh, up there from the Kabuki education week. Gotcha. Uh, oh, you yeah. got Stephanie on there. That's right. Yeah. So, uh, she's great. Yeah. We've, yeah, that's a, that's another story of education. We started doing the Kabuki education week, uh, three years ago where we brought some of the top educators, uh, and they were, they were pleased to do that. So it's, a and they one- came to the lab. Uh, no, we, we did it virtually for the most part. Some of them were to lab, but virtually for most of them. And, uh, that was a week of 50 hour long lectures by the the folks up there, like Steffi Cohen and Aaron and Jordan and such. Yeah, that was was great. And those are, those are available to purchase now online. And it's, it's a, I mean, it's a great, great tool to have. Yeah. I've seen them. I've purchased a couple of your online seminars and, and, and that is sort of another question that I had. What platform do you see the best for the education to continue to expand? How do you see that? Well, happening? digitally, for sure. Digitally. I mean, and when you say the origin of the origin was we we started doing uh, in person seminars, right? Our preliminary. Are uh, you still? We still do, but because of COVID, it, it got really racked back, and so we uh, we started uh, digitizing our courses, mm-hmm. and, and now it's become. And, and if you really want to grow it. Uh, digitizing the courses are the way to go. And so we're doing That's that. We yeah. found so, as well, yeah. Uh, we just were finding um, it's it's harder. People were uh, struggling to travel distances to get to a course and, and such. And when when you offer it digitally, it's it's a lot more convenient and, and you can get a lot done. Although, frankly, if if you are in person, it's a much better experience. just about to say that. The coaches can have hands-on and you can feel it. It's so much better uh, deal. We've, we have done uh, in uh, person uh, seminars with uh, elite strength staffs like uh, 2017 uh, we did uh, we went down to LA with the Dodgers and Dodger Stadium and, and brought our coaches there and spent two and a half days with them training there they brought all their oh, minor league that. and major league coaches and there and so that's that's something we still do we we just had uh, Brandon and Joe were up in uh, Calgary uh, training the Calgary Fire Department uh, on our uh, principles of loaded movement seminar, yep. and uh, yeah, so uh, in that's person is better. That's your most popular one, yes. The principles of loaded movement, right? Exactly. How many are there? How many in person? How many have uh, you? Well, there's principles, and then there's advanced. That's it. Uh, yeah, yeah. I it's probably the only seminar. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I don't do online seminars. To me, I, I just what you just said. I need in person, and with everything that I've, what's up? Can we take a break oh yeah, yeah yeah yours is probably the only certification that if offered online i would even consider taking in the time that i've been doing this i've i've probably done at least a dozen different online and in-person certs and it just there's something missing if you do online first off for me i get really bad add i mean i have difficulty really focusing or learning and if it's in person i get that it's much more hands-on literally and it just it sinks in a lot better for me so yeah, I you know I think in the future uh, we've we've gone to uh, as I say we're going to more and more digital. But if we do have uh, in person, it'd probably be just at the lab and have people to come to to Kabuki to do it and fly in. People are willing to do that. The people yeah. that really care. Well, and, you're at a point where you could you could easily demand that of the market. It, it's you guys are at a point where there are coaches like myself. I would do it. I would take the time and carve out the schedule and fly out there if it was on a weekend. Uh, they generally are on a weekend. Yeah. 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 So yeah, perfect. I'll mark you down. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I'll send you the next dates. Seriously. Uh, I would love that. I, yeah. I really will come. I, I do want to come out to the lab. I do want to visit you guys, meet everybody, you know, see Chris, all that kind of good stuff. So I would love yeah. to come out there. We do do uh, one-on-one coaching. So that, that became uh, kind of the next thing we did with our coaches and that's virtual. So that's a, uh, that's a four interactions mm-hmm. per month uh, with, with our virtual clients there. And then we have a variety of other ones. And we, we just came out with a new training app that, uh, is working well. Uh, so in offering, 
offering a variety of different services at different levels for for people at different levels of their their training um, you know environment and history do you typically work with more coaches or more people that are novice uh generally we at at our in-person seminars we get a lot of coaches uh personal uh trainers uh clinicians a lot of clinician chiros and and pts that'll come to uh, in person but online it's mostly individuals athletes either uh, uh, starting out or uh, or professional uh, power lifters or, or uh, uh, strong men yeah athletes speaking yeah. of starting out and strong men I-, I wanted to dive a little bit into your personal journey with fitness because it's very unique it's it's different than most people think when did you actually start strength training you personally well uh, I've been alive in over I, I told this to Rusty yesterday walking uh, out of the Dodgers uh, Stadium last night and we were looking at some of the memorabilia as you walk along the walkway of some of the the players and the the Hall of Famers and such and sure and and when they were were playing and I said hmm. come to think of it I've been around for nine <laughs> decades I've I was born in 1949 it's now 2020s I've lived in nine different decades wow so uh so when did I start my uh, strength journey I mean yeah. it was it was swimming out to the the uh, the opening I think to get get out and start but I I was I played football in high school and college uh-huh and back but back then strength training was not that big a deal you know it's like if you didn't have the genes and the size or natural strength uh there wasn't much of an opportunity there was much education around it there wasn't much of an opportunity to grow interesting yeah i mean in in when uh, even when i was in in college uh i, I played at uc davis yeah. up in northern california and our our uh, our gym at, at the school was not much bigger than a two-car garage for really? all the athletes yeah wow wow so so yeah i did i mean i i lifted weights in in uh, college and uh then i was i i my first job as a college football coach mm-hmm. and so i was around uh lifting and i uh, i was at boise state and even then our weight room was kind of minuscule from what yeah. you think for a for a college it was in a in a room underneath the stadium was in a, a big room. I mean, literally maybe a, uh, the size of a, a three car garage. Yeah. Uh, like and, what we got kind of back there. Yeah. 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 It, it was, it was, it was interesting. So, and then I, I left coaching in uh, one summer, I, I get a job, uh, uh, with a local residential broker there. And I wanted to sell uh, back then as a college football coach, you didn't make very much money. I mean, it was like in the $20,000 range. And so, uh, all the assistant coaches would get jobs in the summer, you know, being on a painting crew or a road crew. I mean, one year when I was at, in, at the University of Northern Colorado, I worked in a rendering plant in Montford's feedlot, you know, a, sla- <laughs> a slaughterhouse, literally. That's hard to imagine. Imagine Coach K doing a, like a painting job like the offseason. <laughs> it's just, yeah. So, uh, well, the head coaches made a lot more money than the assistant coaches. Right, right, than the assistants, uh, yeah. So I decided I, I wanted to be more sophisticated than that. I was going to get a job uh, selling real estate one summer. So I went to a broker who was a uh, a booster of the the program and asked him if I could sell real estate. And he goes, well, I only hire full-time people. And I said, well, I'll be full-time for two months. He goes, no, no, you don't understand. We want people that are interested in a career. Like, but anyway, he I was, I was a good enough salesman to talk him into training me and letting me do that. And uh, in those first two months, uh, I, I think the first month in June, I, I uh, had a couple little uh, uh, houses that I sold and listings. And one of uh, a guy who was an assistant coach to me uh, was was going to leave, and I yeah. listed his house and got it sold. And so I made like two thousand dollars in June. Hmm. So when you think you're only making eight or Ten or nine or whatever it was we were making uh, over over the years, yeah, over the whole year, that was a lot of money. Yeah, to just make all at once. Yeah, yeah. and then July was all time uh, leading salesman in the history of their firm. Oh, wow, <laughs> wow! I made like seventy five hundred dollars in that month. 
<laughs> and, a lot of money back and, then. Yes. In yeah. the, at the end of July, uh, and I'm, I'll get back to your question about when yeah. I started training. <laughs> that's, a, that's a little deviation. But in July, uh, I said, I got to get back to uh, to coaching. You know, the, the next season is starting up. So uh, during that season, I mean, every, you know, every couple of weeks, that broker would walk in with a big check and hand it to me. And the other coaches are looking over their shoulder. What is that? I go, oh, yeah, it's just my summer job. You know, a check for $1,250 or dollars or whatever is like, oh, God. So at the end of that season, um, uh, I had an opportunity. I was offered a, a job by uh, Gil Brandt of the Dallas Cowboys to come mm -hmm. down and work with them. And then uh, had an opportunity to go to UCLA and uh, be assistant offensive line coach there or stay at Boise State or go to work for Tom Powell Realtors. And it, there was a couple of things that happened. I never thought I would do anything but be a college football coach. But yeah. there were some things that kind of disillusioned me at the end of that season. And uh, I made my and my wife was pregnant at the time, and I made the decision to uh, to leave coaching, which uh, was a, that was the biggest decision of my life. I never thought it would that would happen because yeah. all my education, I had a master's and a doctorate in in, uh, in education, and was geared to be a head college football coach or pro coach in, in, or in exercise that. science education type yeah. of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and okay. actually it was in psychological kinesiology. So oh, fascinating. Uh, so the, the ability to learn movements. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, any rate, so then I'm, I'm off and I'm, I'm in the business world all of a sudden mm -hmm. and I'm raising a family and I'm, I'm uh, as will happen to many people at that age, when they're at the child rearing ages yeah. or in the height of their career, the me gets pushed down the list in terms of, you know, taking care of yourself. Yeah. Uh, there's always oh, yeah. dad oh, yeah. bod, doesn't it, Jay? <laughs> it's a lot of stuff. I mean, it's just, it happens. And, it, yeah. and, uh, it, and I was building a, a, a pretty big organization and a real estate company and, and yeah. uh, huge projects that took so much of my time. And, um, it wasn't until I was in my mid fifties and I wasn't total set, totally sedentary, but I wasn't in the gym a lot yeah, at yeah. all. You know, I would go to, I, I would have a new year's resolution every year oh, yeah, that, that would last right. for like four weeks, you know, <laughs> yes. and then by, by February, someone say, well, are you going to work out tonight? Or are you going to come join us and have a beer? Like, eh, okay, I'll go have a beer. <laughs> and, 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 and then, you know, the resolution's gone. And so, you know, they're starting and stopping for 30 years in a row. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I was, I did water skiing and I uh, snow ski and all that. And it was in mid fifties. I was up skiing and I fell in, and uh, fell on my shoulder and hurt my shoulder and mm -hmm. went to my doc and my uh, doc x-rayed it. I, I thought it would get better in a couple of months. And so I went to the doc and he, he uh, x-rayed it, checked it out and he goes, yeah, you got a little bursitis. You're just getting old. <laughs> I go, what? Uh -uh. He said, yeah, you're just getting, you're just have to deal with it. I go, F you. I'm not. Yes, that's right. <laughs> I mean, you're older than me. <laughs> so anyway, he sent me to a uh, physical therapist that was uh, housed in a little gym near my house. And mm -hmm. I, I was going there twice a week for, uh, for PT. And then I would go downstairs in the gym and, you know, I wasn't unfamiliar with the weight room, but, uh, had been around for a long time, but yeah. I started, uh, training, uh, going there a couple of days a week and training Yes. and the shoulder was getting better and I was getting stronger and my kids were pretty much, I have five and I have 14 grandchildren now, but my kids were pretty Whoa, much congrats, yeah, 14. Wow. pretty much grown and gone by then. And so I, I had some more time and I, I was, I was getting stronger and you know how you feel like when you're starting to see results yes. that it, it's a self fulfilling thing. You oh, just yeah. keep going and want to do more and you start setting goals. I, I got to here. So I wonder if I can get to there. Yep. And chasing uh, the dragon. Yeah. So the injury happened in, uh, during spring, spring skiing. So, you know, April or something. And so that following new year's day, you know, like eight months later, I'm watching the bowl games on TV and, uh, my wife is up may probably nursing a hangover. And so I'm watching the games and I, <laughs> and I started, uh, thinking, I wonder what the bench press record is for Oregon. And, uh, I started searching and, and to see if there was such a thing, you know, yeah. and sure enough, I found, uh, uh, some Federation that had, uh, records uh, by age and yeah. by weight. So I, of course, go to my age and weight. And, and at the time it. you were 55. 55, okay. And I, so I'm, I'm, I look at that and I go, hmm, I, you know, I'm not that far off. I bet I could do that. Uh -huh. And so I, I went to that gym and I. What I, was it? Do you remember? It was like 325 or something. Okay. And, and which I didn't know that was with gear. 
Oh, so that and, wasn't. And I was. Wrong. I didn't even know there was such a thing as gear at that time. <laughs> That's a big advantage. And I was probably pressing two seventy five or something then, you know. Yeah. And I thought, hmm, okay, so I, I think I can get to three twenty five. But uh, any rate, I I uh, I went down to the gym and and, and I uh, uh, talked to a personal trainer there and uh, a great guy that has been a friend ever since. But. Uh, so I talked to Dave, and Dave said, uh, "Yeah, if you uh, if you want to uh, be a powerlifter, you got to squat and deadlift too." Mm-hmm. I go, really? He goes, "Yeah, that's the whole deal. You can't just set the bench press. You got to do it all." Yeah. Uh, it's okay. Let's get started. So <laughs> started. And what's his name? The trainer that worked with you? Uh, uh, Dave uh, Clap. Dave C- Clap. Okay. C- yeah. C- give a shout out to him. Yeah. Yeah. Dave was great, and he got me going. And it was uh it was then and that was uh okay january so i signed up i had a project a real estate project i was doing in sacramento Mm -hmm. and i was going back and forth and i i happened to notice that there was a a meet coming up in november of that year so i signed up for this meet in november in sacramento it was on a saturday so i i had a business trip and i laid over from instead of coming friday home friday i stayed over to to uh, compete in this meet and it's funniest things i had never even been to a powerlifting meet and here i was going to compete in one yeah <laughs> and so i'm in there and it's a it's a little hole in the wall gym kind of deal uh it was an apa meet as i recall and was the age bracket like 55 and over mm, uh, yeah it's 55 to 59 i think oh okay i got and you and then it's then it goes it goes by five-year increments 60 to 64 got so, it uh, yeah exactly. got it so at any rate uh, they they uh, call my name up to uh, uh, for the first squat attempt and mm-hmm. and I start walking up there and this uh, other competitor pulls me back and says what what are you doing you can't go up there like that I go what and I was wearing like basketball shorts and a t shirt because <laughs> you can't wear that you got to have a singlet I go what what's a singlet and so he he turns around digs into his gym bag pulls out of the bottom of his gym bag this yeah. this old stinky you know stiffs from sweat. Singlet, green singlet. Put this on. Oh shit! So I throw that on, and uh, I go out and and uh, squat, and I ended up setting all four California State records. Wow! At the first meet, yeah, never been to a powerlifting meet. And then so the next April, I was down there again, and uh, and then broke all those records. You broke squat, bench, dead. You you broke all three. first time and total, yeah. And and so uh, then uh, I went back in April, did broke those records. And so now I got the bug. Now I'm excited. You know, mm-hmm. this, this is something. This is my future athletic career, right? Yeah. And uh, uh, came back and uh, naively decided, because there were so few powerlifting meets along the West Coast back then. Mm-hmm. And uh, I talked to the owner of that little gym and asked if I could uh, put on a meet. And I was going to be a meet director and host a meet. Yeah. I, I talked to the, the APA, head of APA, and... Uh, he said, uh, yeah, you, you can do that. And uh, that, I put on this first meet and naively thought I could do it. And I got a call from a guy uh, that signed up for the meet by the name of Chris Duffin. And he says, is it okay if I bring the deadlift bar? I said, yeah, sure, because I don't think this gym has a deadlift bar. So, good. <laughs> so it was that first meet that I, I met Chris and uh, we uh, a couple of other guys that have still been around uh, for years uh, since then that came to that first meet in in Lake Oswego, Oregon, and uh, and then a few months later I saw Chris again in a meet in Tri Cities, uh, in which he dropped uh, 650 pounds on his face and <laughs> on a bench wait a minute, press wait a minute. on the bench press yeah. I was about to ask, what are Chris is also has a background in powerlifting, obviously. Right, right, right. Longer that predates yours, or did yeah, he... predated me. Yeah. Okay. Had he, yeah. has he always been that? He's always been a powerlifter. He started in uh, uh, in college, I believe. Yeah. Gotcha. And so he started going. He doesn't do it anymore. I mean, he's too beat up. Uh, even I saw his elbow. Ages. Yeah, he just had surgery. Just at it. Yeah. yeah. So uh, he's done obviously some very other incredible power events. You know. Yeah. Being the only man, I think, to uh, to squat and deadlift over a thousand pounds for reps, so but uh, wow, but he, but he doesn't compete in power. He just can't he can't bench at all, right? Yeah. Uh, but anyway, where were we on that story? Yeah. <laughs> the the we meet you met you met Chris. Uh, yes, yeah, so I met Chris. Yeah. So so I was I was kind of helping Chris a little bit, and then uh, he invited me to uh, to come uh, train with him. When we got back to uh, to Portland, yeah. And he lived in a, 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 he would even admit, it was a bit of a sketchy part of town at that time. And so yeah. I, I drive over there and I pull up into the neighbors and I'm looking around. I'm going, this is a little weird. I walk down the driveway, go in the back door 
who he directed me to go and down the stairs to a, a basement with a, <laughs> only about a seven foot high ceiling. And there's another guy down there by the name of Will Rogers, who mm-hmm. was, uh, you know, about a 320 pounder and Chris, who was a, you know, a monster himself. Yeah. And I'm, I'm 50 some years old. I'm going, what the fuck am I doing here? <laughs> I could get raped here. I don't know, I don't, I don't know these people this well. <laughs> it was, but it, it turned out great. And we started training together. And uh, uh, pretty soon there were four or five people training in that basement. It, was, mm-hmm. it got too crowded. We moved out to the driveway and into the garage. And then pretty soon there was 15 or 16 others. Yeah. And uh, and then that's when we decided maybe we should uh, rent that little hole in the wall place. And pretty soon we had 100 people training with us and coaching each other and getting better. And that's, wow. that's so that's where I kind of started in the whole powerlifting thing. So that's been, uh, you know, like 18 years ago. Yeah. And, um, and you said every five years, the, uh, the record basically can be broken again. Right. How many times now have you done that? Have you done that five, six times? Multiple times. How old yeah. are you now? 73. 73. So 74 next, next month. <laughs> so, but, you, so since 55, you have broke and held the record. At each age group. At each age group. Yeah. For the last 15 years. Exactly. Give or take. Yeah. And uh, currently uh, have the record at three different weight classes, 90 kilo, 100 kilo, and 110 kilo oh my uh, for my age group. <laughs> So we're talking to the Conor McGregor of yeah. powerlifting right now. <laughs> that's just outstanding, yeah. man. That's incredible. Very I cool. think I weighed in at a hundred point five kilos when I competed in the hundred and ten. But uh, yeah. But at any rate, uh, uh, so it's been a it's been a journey. It's been fun, and it's re- resulted in great friendships and and then yeah. a, a business that came out of it. That yeah. Was, you know, it was totally unintended consequence. It was something that you know it was was a hobby that turned into a business and it's the best you know it's here amazing. we are and it's it's a way to help other people and it's back to my original roots of being a coach uh-huh. you know and although i have to say i i don't coach others i have people coach me I'm, yeah, <laughs> yeah but, what's such but a just, luxury and people don't well, people don't realize that a lot and sometimes anytime not anytime but sometimes we have interactions with people who are trainers or coaches and they see what we're doing and less so now but for a while you'll get the response like well i don't really need a coach i am a coach i'm like well hey man like most good coaches have people that coach them uh, that's a luxury yeah our coaches have coaches yeah, yeah. for sure you yeah, have to absolutely you can't you gotta stay a you know, sponge to all when, that I, when i walk into the gym i don't want to think about what am i gonna i don't want to try to program myself and what i'm going to do i just go to our, i go to our app i go okay what's kyle got set up for me today kabuki strength is the app for yep. those listening okay yeah perfect and uh it's uh yeah so Kyle's your coach. Is that who coaches you? Our head coach is Kyle and he coaches me. Yeah. Outstanding. What's his Instagram? So we can pull him uh, Kyle underscore Kabuki, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. That yeah. sounds right. I've seen his stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's incredible that these things came full circle for you, that yeah. you found your way back to, I would assume, I'm sure, like I did. I mean, I at the time I was doing real estate, I did, didn't do it to the degree that you did, but I did find a passion for it. But coaching strength educating in the world of kinesiology that's for me the passion and reason that's my sort of my reason for being i mean would you say that's the same for you i absolutely love seeing it for me it's it's shifted a little bit now uh, not just because of my age but because i look around america today not only in at, at many age groups even mm-hmm. unfortunately young children oh, who yeah. are oh, oh, you know i mean i think we're I can't. It's 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 an the unfathomable number the a, a percentage of people that are obese. In Can America. you look that up? What's the American rate? We're of we're number one, aren't we? Well, Probably. for sure. But I think what, I mean, what, it's what more like Google. What percentage like 30, of Americans 36 are obese? Thirty-six percent of people are obese. It might even be higher than fifty percent. Yeah. But oh, it's it's yeah. it's sad to think about that. And uh, uh, and when I I look around and I see people who are in my age that are in walkers and canes yes. and can't get around, can't navigate steps, <sighs> and I'm thinking. It's what it, what 42 it, over 42 yeah, percent yeah, of american adults right, have obesity well, yeah what the well heck, not, not not just that keep reading if you keep reading it yeah. says while about 30.7 are overweight so that's what 70 
72.7% of Americans are overweight or obese. Yeah. That leaves like, that's like 28% of us doing it right. What is the definition of overweight as compared to obese? Well, there's that, there's that BMI index, which is, I mean, I I know that's kind of outdated, but if, if you measure my height and weight and the BMI index, I'm totally totally, obese. You know, if you have a muscle index that's larger than the average, muscle weighs more than fat anyway, you know, so, but, uh, but literally, I mean, we're an unhealthy society for sure. And I, I see older people who are struggling to get around. And uh, I, if I, I would love to, uh, I've, I've asked uh, Dr. Gabrielle Lyons if she would be on our podcast. She's Dr. She's, Gabrielle Lyons. Uh, she's great. I'm yeah, going to have you send has, me her information. She has, yeah. uh, she's uh, written a book now uh, on, on uh, muscle is the organ of longevity. Oh, I and I that. have to subscribe to that. I mean, yeah. I'm. I, I believe that. I mean, I feel like I'm a walking example of that. I'm, you are. I'm healthier, you know, than I, I would otherwise have been if I had stayed on that course from, you know, the middle age group and just mm-hmm. going and be a couch potato. Yeah. Um, so it's, I, I feel vibrant and healthy and it's, mm-hmm. it's just because of what we're doing. I mean, you don't have to lift deadlift 500 pounds plus to be, you know, to, to develop muscle, you can do it and you can start it at any age. Yeah. And so my first powerlifting meet at 55. Yeah. I mean, think about that. My, my goal now is, is trying to get that word out to, uh, the, the older population, the yeah. mature audiences. So that's kind of my next it's big. horizon. And I, I wanted to, to ask you a little bit about that hiatus that you took that 30 years, what was the big difference between, you know, when you stopped like the strength training and then when you started again, um, that you noticed, was it like nutrition? Was it, was it the equipment? Was it the style of training? What changed in that time that you stopped to when you started training again that you noticed? There wasn't a lot of change in strength training from those 30 years. There, no one had invented even a, a specialty bar. They didn't come along. It was <laughs> made the change. <laughs> it was still a, still a power bar and still a squat bar yeah. that, that we, that I left in the, in the gym at Boise state when uh-huh. I went I up there. I mean, it's nothing was, has really changed. I mean, there's some fancier racking and stuff yeah. like that and, and uh, different handles for different grips and stuff. But, but literally m- not much had changed, not much had changed about uh, programming and reps and sets and uh, really understanding. And it's only been in the, I think the last decade that yeah. the science has, people have, yeah, it yes. has totally exploded. Yeah. And, p- and part of it with, you know, the internet and social media and is, is, has made that done, but there wasn't a lot of change in the equipment. The, the biggest change for me uh, going, cause I had always, um, uh, lifted raw because that's all there was. And so, then when, yeah. when I started uh, this powerlifting thing and I, I told you I looked that up, mm-hmm. well, then I, I uh, competed in a meet uh, in in uh, Portland near the airport and there was a company there selling gear, you know, uh, bench shirts and squat okay, shirts not, yeah. and all that. And I go, I go, what's the deal like this? It feels like if you use that, you're cheating. And he goes, look around. Everybody at that meet was using gear and I wasn't, he goes, you're cheating yourself. And so I went to the dark side at that point, which wasn't the dark side. That was the new light. That was it. Yeah. So I started using gear mm-hmm. and, uh, he's it, not talking about steroids for those people who no, are no, 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 here no. wraps knee compression. I mean, is that, what is a, that your suit, a bench shirt? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Squat Got suits it. and that kind of thing. So when you compete, you do not do, have you ever done a raw competition? I or? do now. You do no, now. Uh, okay. We'll get to that part. But when in that period, uh, from, uh, uh, maybe 2010 or so mm-hmm. to uh, 2015, we were, we were using gear. And uh, yeah, if you go to the YouTube channel, you would see some of my squats in gear. There's a squat and, right and, there in gear. Uh, no, that's raw. That's raw. Okay, so it, the wraps, that's still considered raw. Yeah, that's what, classic. What, that's what? classic raw. Okay, but gear, a, a squat, uh, a squat suit or a bench shirt is is geared. Is geared. Yeah. Okay. And so in those days, my squat I was squatting six twenty five in in gear. <laughs> my bench was four seventy five, and uh, I don't think it helps you that much in deadlift. All I deadlifted five sixty something in in a deadlift suit. Yeah. Uh, but in um, twenty sixteen, uh, after years of 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 training and, and competing, mm-hmm. my shoulders just kind of gave out. I, I'd had a couple of shoulder injuries playing college football sure. that were healed. And then I had that skiing accident, which actually got me started in it. But, 
uh, the GH joint was wearing out, and I, I developed arthro, uh, arthritis, osteoarthritis sure. in there. I was nearly bone on bone, and uh, ended up having uh, surgery. It's a longer story, but I have had surgery on both shoulders in 2016, uh, and I had what's called hemicap surgery. So that's where they literally glue and screw a half donum of titanium onto the end of the humerus. Yeah. So they flatten out the humerus. Ball and socket is a lot more fluid, yeah. I presume. It mm-hmm. moves yeah. better. And then they inlay Teflon in the glenoid process. So I have a, wow. a titanium and Teflon GH joint in both shoulders. What's the recovery from a double shoulder? So I didn't have them the same time because it's oh. hard to wipe your ass. If yeah, you I was going to say, <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> so, so for each one, what was I had, the recovery period? Well, I had the first one done in uh, in May of 2016. I went back and had the second one done at the Cleveland Clinic. Uh, uh, Dr. Anthony Miniati, who has came up with the, the deal, he's, he's the best of your shoulders. And he's now in Florida. At, the, at Baptist Health, he heads up orthopedics at Baptist Health. So I wanted the best in the country to do it because I wanted to keep doing what I was doing, enjoying it. Uh, so the second surgery in October of that year, mm-hmm. I was back on the platform in April of 2017. So wow. it was it was uh, a, about a year after uh, the year. first surgery. Yeah. Wow. Back um, on the platform, and then. But then raw. Yeah. At okay, that so, point, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I didn't want to risk. Uh, uh, the the pressure that a, a bed shirt puts on and and, sure. and four seventy five. So, and when so, did you? How long when you returned? How long until your next meet? Uh, I competed in the spring and then again in the fall, and that's kind of my pattern now. I compete at the nationals and the worlds wow. uh, twice a year, so that's all I did. What you've done and what you've there are two things. The biggest testament I think that you have left is what you have done with your health and the message that it sends. Because you're right, when we talk to older populations or when the World Health Organization talks to older populations, it's kind of along the conversation line of, well, the dream is kind of dead. Let's just figure out a way to keep you walking for the next 10 years until you die. And that is a, it's just one of the most important things for me, especially when I work with older populations, is the understanding, first and foremost, that your age does not determine your standing with your health. That's a lie. You've been told a lie pretty much your entire life, that you must age a certain way. By this age, you're going to be doing this. By this age, you're not going to be doing this. If you are somebody who takes this seriously, and especially if you're somebody who trains consistently, and I think that's probably the most important part is that you don't take long bouts of, you know, five, 10 years away from the gym and then try to come back. And because the older we get, the harder that process becomes more of an uphill battle each time we take that Absolutely. break. But staying consistently in the gym and with somebody who actually knows what they're doing, you can stay at this level literally until you leave this earth. There is no reason that you have to be that guy in the walker. No, you can start at any age, literally at yes. any age, and you can gain muscle at any age. People yeah. think there's no way I can. I don't have enough testosterone or whatever. You can yeah. you can generate and, and increase muscle strength and, and, and muscle mass at, at any age. Yeah. But I have to tell you, the, uh, uh, one of the biggest side benefits that people don't think about, and it's very, very important for an older population, is bone density. Yes. Yeah. When, Thank you for bringing that up. When when you train consistently, resistance training consistently, you will just like you can improve muscle and a little bit different uh, process, but it's kind of the same same thing where you break down your muscle and it builds up stronger. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing with the bone. When you when you put pressure on uh, the either end of the bone and it attracts mm-hmm. calcium to uh, there's electronic charge that attracts it and, yes. and actually builds the muscle up. So. Uh, two years ago, I had a body scan, a DEXA scan done, and it, it reveals um, uh, muscle and um, and body mass and fat, percentage of fat and all that, yes. uh, but also measured bone density. Well, on the scale of of, of their scale, it, was, it only went up to 60 and over, uh, but a, a score of 2.5Z on their scale was two standard deviations above the mean. So it's better than 97% of the population. Right. My score was 5.2. <laughs> like five standard deviations <laughs> above the mean. It's like there's not wow. there's not four people in the world that are my age that have that kind of bone density. Yep. And it, I wasn't born that way, I guarantee you. Uh, my mother would have screamed if I had that kind of bone density. <laughs> cute, I think. But uh, so... Uh, 
So that's, that was a, that's an unintended consequence. I didn't realize that that, that was, and most people don't understand that. Yeah. But when you hear of, of older people, what do you hear so often? Somebody falls, they trip over their dog, they fall, they break their hip, and then they die. And they that's die. the beginning of the end. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. the beginning yeah. of the end. And, and, you're... and literally, I, you could drop me off the top of your building here. And I would... <laughs> Break the ground he lands on. But I, I don't. I don't want to try it. But... <laughs> Make sure he signs the waiver first. <laughs> well, it's, and it's also this this misunderstanding. It's like, oh, well, even if you are going to be, you know, active in your your older years, you need to switch over to water aerobics, or you need to be doing like maybe hot yoga. That's not true. You need to be lifting free weights. You need to be lifting. You need to be challenging yourself forever. Yeah, and I mean, some doctors and, and 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 clinicians will say, well, you should walk more, and, and you know, there's nothing against walking or there's nothing against cardio, but, mm. um, uh, but it won't make you stronger. It won't prove your bones. No. So you're not getting any resistance training doing that. You're not going to be safer if you fall to break your hip. If mm. you are walking a lot, mm. you are going to be if you do deadlifts. If you work those, you know, abductors. If you're doing that kind of strength training, targeting the area that you're worried about. That's what's going to save you. Absolutely. And it's important to, to note that. And, and, and again, getting back to the point that this didn't happen for you by accident. You started at a late age and now you have, because I, I watched that video about your bone density and, this, and they showed the scan and they showed you yeah, lifting yeah, yeah. and said you had the uh, bone mineral density of a guy in like his 30s or his 40s. Like that's the type of strength that your bones have built up over years of you doing that. Exactly. That's exactly. A, that's amazing. And, but never thought about that. No, because no, no, no one talks about it. No one talks about it. No one talks about it. But for for the older population, it's one of the most important uh, gains you can get from from resistance training. Is yeah. doing that. Oh yeah, yeah. it's 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 a I true mean, forget the idea of being able to pick up your grandchild or mm -hmm. you know still be vibrant and and yeah. uh, be able to do those kinds of fun things. Quality of life. Quality definitely. of life. Absolutely. And ex even beyond like like excelling at the quality of life beyond guys that are younger. Right now, you have the heaviest squat bench debt of anybody in this room. <laughs> Sincerely, <Yeah. laughs> and that's incredible. Well, I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Again, I I didn't set out to to set world records, but once it started, I was like, "There's how far can we go with this thing?" You yeah. know, let's let's just let's see. And I'm I'm not done yet. No, I can tell. It's yeah, unfinished. <laughs> and and that and that that shirt that word. It's so much more than just your physical health is not. You're not finished lifting. You're not finished living. What you've also done, and you mentioned the change that didn't happen in the industry, and then now it has in the last 10 years. I want to say this very clearly. In no small way, you and your team have contributed to that change. And I've watched it because I've been in this industry 13 years. And I kind of got in right at the beginning of Kabuki and all that sort of stuff. So I have seen the contribution that your company, you yourself, and your team has made. And, and I commend that very, very highly. What you guys have done and what the several companies in the industry has done is really make the knowledge accessible and the education important. Those are two things that I think that's a real positive to come out of the last decade of strength and conditioning. Yeah. I, I didn't see that coming. Yeah. Well, that's kind of you to say, uh, but the equipment that we've developed and you know, we talked about specialty bars, mm -hmm. I mean, part of why we are so strong with education because we're trying to re-educate people about the, uh, about the profession, about strength training mm -hmm. and get people away from the idea of that straight bar. Yeah. which is so biomechanically unsound. Yeah, I mean, when you think about it, I mean, you've trained younger kids too, and I'm sure they come in and you see that bench and there's that winging out there and that yeah. internal rotation. And, and uh, we we talk to our college strength coaches and they say 60 to 70% of the kids that they bring in that they've recruited out of high school to mm -hmm. come in to play football or whatever sport it is are broken. Yep. They haven't had good coaching at that at that level. And so, you know, when you, when you think, I, I don't know how weightlifting ever started. Somebody found a straight limb on a tree and hung two buckets of sand <laughs> off of it, but it, it was a straight implement, right? Sure. And it doesn't work with the shoulders and, and, and yeah. other joints in the body. And the tools and the, the, and the, so the trainer had, is only as good as the tools. And we've had, had to educate more. people as to why these tools are so important for, yes. for your health and for your, and for developing fitness. Yeah. So uh, an interesting part of that is I, I don't train. You, you looked at some of the stuff. I don't train with a straight bar uh, uh, mm -hmm. or for squatting or benching. Yeah. I use our Cadillac bar yep. for pressing. 
uh, or the duffalo bar, and I use our transformer bar or duffalo bar for for squat training. So do I. And, and I only go to a straight bar uh, t- literally two weeks before a competition. Oh wow! Just to present myself, yeah. So I only use a, a straight bar for squatting or, or pressing uh, literally four weeks a year. Do you think that needs to change? Do you think I, the competition needs to change? I, absolutely. I mean, I, I abs- unless you're a barbell athlete, and even if you are, like I am, there's no reason to use a straight bar. Yeah. Deadlifting, yeah, that doesn't matter. That's that's a different deal. But but for for pressing and and when we talk to our our like I'm down here visiting our major league teams here, yeah. Uh, I, the last thing you ever want to see is a pitcher. Squatting with a straight with bar, a straight bar. load on his back, or bench benching with a straight bar or, for that matter, or benching with a straight bar. Yeah, so I mean, the shoulders are so important in most every sport. Yeah, is so why would you want to risk injury in the in the weight room with that? Yeah, uh, by using a straight bar. Biggest injuries I've always seen have always been with a straight bar in yep. any capacity. Straight yep. bar deadlift, straight. I mean, I mean, and even the deadlift you mentioned, you kind of. But I like your trap bar. I think your trap bar is safer. I think if I if I have an athlete and I want to do a, a, a deadlift mezzo, I would prefer to throw them on your trap bar than throw them on a straight bar. It's just I think it's safer. Oh yeah, it is. Yeah, it, it is. And like I said, if you're not a barbell athlete, don't use a straight bar for anything. No, <laughs> don't, don't, yeah, don't do it. It's not. It's just not, not safe. Yeah, it's not safe. Go through all the movement patterns, but use these tools. Otherwise, you're going to be like me. You're going to have shoulder surgery at, at, at some point. Yes. down the road. It's yes, gonna, it's going to happen. You're going to wear out. I I like being a testament to the non-injured. And we're going to wrap this up because I know you got to roll out of here. But the, the very last point that I want to make sure I make, especially when I deal with other coaches and when I deal with clients who come in, I tell them, I don't break clients. I don't have injured people. I've never had an injured client get injured in here. And a large part of that is because of the access that I now have today to the equipment that has not been available to the people who came before me. This is a new generation of coaches, a new generation of training. And again, I, I, I commend you and your team for making that available. Thank you so much, Rudy, for coming on. Seriously. Thank you. Enjoyed being here. You bet. An Thank amazing you. conversation. We all yeah. enjoyed it. It was a pleasure. Good. You can reach out to me on Instagram, Rudy Cadlub. I'm, I'm happy. I get a lot of calls about shoulder surgery, so I'm yeah, happy to talk about that too. So I would love to. Anytime. You bet. Thank you, Rudy. Appreciate you it. Thanks. Thank you, guys. We'll cut it there, bud.